Hey, this is Isaac. And Randy. And you're listening to The Unapologetics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the single greatest source of news you could ever put in your ears. Ever. Ever, ever. Hope that you enjoyed the last episode. I know we did. Um, So we're going to be coming to you uh, weekly as best our ability. And we're calling this one of the greatest podcasts to ever be made. Yeah, it's like the Muhammad Ali podcast. Yeah, Michael Jordan. The Michael Jordan of podcasts. Right here, you're listening to it. (laughs) Okay. We got a few topics to cover um, on this episode. Uh, Let's start because we just, you know, as it is today, um, if you're listening today or when the podcast posts, last Tuesday was uh, the primaries. Yeah, Super Tuesday. And so this whole last week we've been seeing all the different uh, turnouts and results and everything. I didn't realize this. There's actually... um, Three other Republican candidates. Really? Yes. I had no One idea. I saw Joe Walsh. I thought that Walsh, was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and thought I that was a guitar player. I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't mind him. Um, but then he started saying some crazy things about Trump, so that was kind of kind of weird. But I didn't even know there was anyone else running yeah, I had on no the Republican idea. ticket, which I think is probably a waste of time at this juncture. Yeah. Um, but... We basically have three main candidates, which Mini Mike, he's out. He, uh, I think I heard, and I don't know if this is accurate, uh, but he spent $500 million on his campaign. Yeah. That's got to hurt. Yeah. It hurts to lose $5. (laughs) So to have kind of, I mean, some would say throw throw away $500 million. I I was reading that uh, Biden won in states that he didn't even campaign in. And Bloomberg spent $100 million. <laughs> so that's that's pretty painful. Oh, uh, yeah. Biden. That's a whole other conversation. Yes, it which is. Which we're about to get into. So we have... Um, let's talk about some of the results here. Do you, do you happen to, yeah, to have yeah. those still pulled up there? Um, they, they went through... And basically the Democratic Party has two... Two main candidates that that are, that are running that probably have the most chance to win right. the Democratic nomination, uh, which is Biden, uh, Joe Biden, who was uh, Obama's former, you know, under that administration, the vice president. Which Obama's come out and said nothing yeah, that I've heard about Biden, no endorsement. which says a lot. Yeah, and sure uh, then there's Bernie Sanders, who is the Favorite. I heard it said like this: Bernie is the favorite of the thirty and under crowd. Biden is the favorite of the thirty and up crowd. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of a riff in the Democratic Party, um, which I don't care for any of the parties. Just to be honest right. and and forthcoming, but you have to be able to to vote for somebody. And if you register as independent, you're kind of like not yeah. even in the conversation. I mean, so. in Oklahoma, you can't vote in the Republican primaries. Yeah. yeah. So. So I think it's, you know, but run through a few of those sure. reports there on so who won what. Basically, the, the big picture is 
uh, as it stands, I mean, I think there's still tallies being done, but Biden has 370 uh, superdelegates. Sanders has 298. Elizabeth Warren got 35. And then mini Mike <laughs> Bloomberg came in with a whopping 12. <laughs> so he spent all that money and he didn't even break, barely broke double digits, <laughs> superdelegates. So, oh, man. And then I can uh, kind of hit some of these big states if you want. So California, sure. um, Bernie took the majority, 33.9%, and Biden was at 26, and then the rest are neg- negligible. And Booty Judge had like 5%. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. Which he's others. out. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's they're, they're pretty much all gone. Let's see what happened in Oklahoma. So Biden, 38%. Yeah, that makes sense won. to me because this is a conservative state, and mm-hmm. out of the candidates, he's the most conservative of the Democratic candidates. Yeah. Texas, probably the same. Yep, same situation there. Virginia, let's look at Virginia. Well, Biden won quite a bit, actually. Uh, 53.2% he won in Virginia, and Bernie only got 23. On the direction they're moving with their, you know, seizing all the guns and everything. You know. Yeah, right. So uh, any other states you want to see specifically, I can pull them up. I know Biden, or uh, excuse me, Bernie won Vermont. But that's because that's where he's from. Yeah, exactly. Let Who me, won New York? Let me see the. So he won fifty percent of the votes in Vermont. So that makes that makes sense. Let's look at New York. If they're done counting, because be. yeah, because there there can be kind of wacko there. So the primary hasn't happened yet in New York. Uh, their results are expected to be updated by April twenty eighth. So they're late. They don't do the. They okay. don't participate in Super Tuesday. Gotcha. All right. So that's why I was saying uh, some of them we won't get for a couple of weeks. Um, gotcha. I, I'm not really sure what what the reasoning is behind that. Maybe it's due to campaigning or something. George Soros. Yeah, probably. Soros. That explains it. What What was interesting about this whole thing to me is like Buttigieg and um, all these people that dropped out. They dropped out at the most opportune time for Biden to take all of the superdelegates. And so it was like the establishment, what it looked like on the surface level mm. was the Democratic Party told these people, if you're going to drop, drop now so that Biden gets your superdelegates. Yeah, they, the Democratic Party does not like Bernie Sanders. No. And here's my theory on why they don't like him is because they preach the and you're going to get into this in a minute, but communism preaches free everything, give everyone's money away. Yeah. But the democratic party who's built on communist ideals, um, they teach that we're going to help everybody. We're going to get all this money. We're going to give everybody that needs money, money. Everybody's going to have money. Who wants money? Raise your hand, but they never do it. They never actually do the help, uh, thing that they said they would, but Bernie is actually, he really would take, taxes and and money from other places and pay off people's student loans. Yep. Forget the fact that it's going to screw up the economy for three decades after he does it. Yeah. But he really would do it. No, he's 100% on board with that. He's nuts. Yeah. And um, so they don't want Bernie to get the nomination because, like, the never in one chance that he would win the presidency against Trump, uh, he's going to give away all their money. Yeah. And they don't want that. For sure. That'll, that'll never work for them. Yeah. So then we have Donald Trump, a.k.a. the next president of the United States. 
come November. Yeah. I can look up Super Tuesday if you want to know, but my bet is it's over 90%. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I I know Oklahoma was 93 when I looked last. Yeah. I mean, there's to say there's no competition is an understatement. I mean, the Democrats have no one. And when I say Democrats, I don't want it to sound like I just hate, you know, the other party. I can't stand Republicans either. Yeah. I, I'm, I lean more towards, like, the Bible and the Constitution uh, to get my politics yeah. um, and morality. Um, so, you know, I think next week we should, I'll, I'll do a little research on polls specific mm-hmm. to uh, areas because I did see an article that showed uh, some crucial areas in California where turn, more red turnout yeah. than before. I saw that. And I thought that was pretty interesting. If, I mean, if President Trump wins California, it's over. Oh, I, well, it's already over. It's already. I think he's going to hit over 300 again on the electoral votes. Yeah, just, be, <laughs> but, just, uh, because, just because Biden and Bernie can't get any. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, seriously, Biden is, I mean, he is having what looks to be, and I'm not even trying to make a joke. I'm saying legitimately he doesn't know where he is. You yeah, can I watch think him. he has a mental condition. The other night when, I, I I think it was in California, I was watching it on the news, two women ran up on the stage yeah. and they were saying some, I didn't even understand what they were talking about. But if they wanted to do him harm, yeah, they, they could have got to him access. so well, easily. Maybe it was like animal rights or something. They were coming up to protest, whatever. Yeah. But it was like he didn't know. He didn't know they were there. He didn't know who and else no was on the them. stage at all, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah, his sister wife. Yeah. Uh, he, he can't he, tell the difference. He mistaked his, mis, you know, identified his sister as his wife or his wife as his sister and That's said, oh, bad. they switched places on me. And then, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the thing, the thing, the thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. The thing. The thing. We're, we're with you. Yep. That. So <clears throat> I heard I heard him talking about it on a on a news channel and they said Joe Rogan. Uh, I think it was Joe Rogan had on his podcast. He played a clip of it and he said, this guy can't be president like he just can't. Yeah. And so they talk about how crazy, you know, Donald Trump is and whatever and this and that. But let me tell you something. Biden is. Not only is he a creep as far as the smelling thing goes, Mm -hmm. but um, he doesn't, you know, maybe that's a way that he tries to remember where he is by smell. I think he he might actually have dementia or be senile, whatever the medical difference is. I'm not sure, but I agree. I think that, uh, I think that he's definitely at a place where he can be trusted <laughs> one of the uh, oh, oh, uh president former president obama's medical advisors had come out and said if this person were to receive the vote for whatever reason if that happened he he needs to get medical clearance before he's allowed to take office because they were questioning his mental capacity then you know and that was five years ago <laughs> and if he did actually have a disease five years it, i mean i watched my my own family, my grandma, saying right. five years was like she knew exactly who everybody was to not knowing anything Anyone. at all. And so, and that was really, it was really like three, two, three years of it. So that's the type of stuff moves around. We do like, know that he knows who Donald Trump is because he said that all we need to do or all we can do is Donald Trump. re-elect Donald yeah. Trump. I agree. Yeah, he's, so, I mean, he has my Maybe he's not super way. crazy, but. <laughs> and then you have Bernie who. Everyone 30 and under, you know, especially those that have debt and all that stuff they love. 
and it's preached, and this will kind of segue into what we're talking about next, but it's preached by Bernie Sanders that communism and everything, he doesn't call himself a communist, he calls himself a socialist, and everyone else calls him a democratic socialist, Right. but he doesn't refer to himself that way. He only calls himself a socialist. Yeah. Um, and it's like everything will be free. You'll get everything paid off. We'll tax the this person and that person. The answer is not in taxing, in right. my opinion. The answer is not in taxing uh, anyone more because anyone would realize that if you give your kid money and they blow it, you don't fix that by giving them more money. Yeah. You fix that by teaching them how to handle the money. Right. So the government has more than enough money to get the job done that they need to get done, yet it's not spent on getting the job done. It's spent on paying things and stockpiling and all this other stuff. So many, many people, especially college students, want their their student loans paid off and and all this stuff. And he would do it. But the way he would do it, nothing is free. Right. 40, 50%. Nothing is free. 40 or 50% increase in federal income tax. So... And it, yeah. that's just where it starts. Oh yeah, it's not. It's not like, well, we're going to give you health care and then it's done. I mean, so the goal of socialism is to take over all everything, all public related activity, health care, s- schooling, um, oil and gas. I mean, everything right now that stimulates economy would be state run. Mm-hmm. So, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Socialism and communism. What? How would you define? Yeah. Is there a difference? So there's a there is a slight difference. Communism is considered to be a branch of socialism. So socialism is its is an entity, and then communism is a specific type of socialism. Mm. There's a couple other types, but they pretty much have all led to communism. And if they haven't, it's because capitalism is still prevalent. So there's not any currently there's nowhere in the in the world that is 100% right. socialist economy. And I saw Prager you put out a a quick video about Denmark explaining that because everybody uses that as what they call the Disneyland of, right. of socialism yep. or communism. But here's it's, the it's here's got the capitalism punchline. and yeah. that's what keeps the economy flowing. So they may have a Whatever their entity is that is state-run, I can't remember if it's education or healthcare. healthcare. It's probably both, but yeah, it's that's, both. That's it. That's mm-hmm. not. It doesn't leak over into the energy f- sector and the manufacturing sector, and and I'll get into this a little bit more in detail. But the biggest problem with when the government starts to take control is a they don't have the cap- capacity nope. to run that many businesses. They do not have the people, and then on top of that. Because there's no capitalism, there's no, um, there's no desire or there's no real reason to be overly efficient because everybody's making exactly. money from the government already. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of breeds complacency and lazy. Or if you have someone who is really good, in a perfect socialism environment, the people who do really well at their job are supposed to get paid more and they're supposed to thrive. It just it doesn't work that way. Right. And so... But if you want, I can kind of start digging in here. Yeah, I will say um, two things that they said in that video from PragerU is Denmark, um, their ability to open a business is super easy. There's not a, there's not a bunch of red tape or anything like that yeah. uh, to open a business there, which that's capitalism, to yeah. be able to open a business and to be able to make money and right. provide a service in exchange for, for yeah. money. 
Uh, and then the, the other thing they said is there's no minimum wage. Hmm. It's weird. Imagine that. So uh, those two things are, are very important to note, that the whole economy is driven really off of, off of that. And then they're saying in this video that Denmark is having to change the areas of their country that have communism, socialism involved. Yeah. Yeah. And so the parts that are working are capitalism. Right. And then the parts that aren't working are communism. And they're having to go, okay, we're going to have to cut out this communism part because it's, it's affecting and, yes. and damaging what is working, which is yeah. capitalism. Well, when I get into this, you'll, you'll see that uh, media reports and pub publications, they contradict themselves all the time because they will call uh, a place, um, a country, whatever, a region, socialism. But then when it goes south, they'll refer to it as communist. And then they go back and they talk about the communists. Well, they weren't supposed to be communists. But it's because they get crisscrossed and tied together and they call it socialism. Then it leads to communism every time. And so, in which neither one works. Neither just, one. Just for the neither record. one works. So the the guy who started this whole thing is uh, Karl Marx. I'm sure most people have heard that name. And then there's another person tied to it. We'll, we're not going to get into that today. But let me just read um, what Karl Marx wrote about uh, sure. socialism and how to take a country to become socialism to revolutionize the economic order. And so, number one, abolition of property and land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. So, basically, seize the land, okay? And I have some specific examples of this we'll talk about in a minute. A heavy progressive or graduated income tax. We look at Canada with health care. They're paying 35 40% of their income to get health care, and then they can't get seen. Number three, abolition of all rights of inheritance. So, after a person passes, the state takes the, the house, the cars, mm -hmm. whatever, Whatever it is. Number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Well, that doesn't sound like the Democratic Party of America. We want democratic socialism, but socialism says we have to take everything from the immigrants. I don't know. Just doesn't make sense. Number five, centralization of credit in the banks of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and a, an exclusive monopoly. Basically, they want to control the money, and they can tell you how much the money's worth and what rate you can buy stuff at. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and transport are in the hands of the state. So basically they're going to take all vehicles away or they're going to do their best ability to do that. And it's going to be public transportation only. They're going to, they're going to cut out your personal cell phones and your building and everything's going to be monitored and wiretapped. And this gets pretty bad. Number seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. The bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with a common plan. So this sounds fine and dandy that the government can do that again. They just they don't have the capacity. Number eight, equal obligation of all to work. Establishment of industry, industrial armies, especially for agriculture. And I think we'll get into this in the future of why the agricultural piece is so important. And the reason why is because it, it feeds all the other, other industries, really. Pharmaceuticals. Literally. Um, cattle. I mean, everything touches this agricultural piece. Number nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries. Grab, gradual abolition of all the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of the populace over the country. And then number 10, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of children's factory labor in its present form, and a combination of education with industrial production. So 
some of these look on the surface like they could be beneficial. Some of them are kind of like, well, I don't really understand why they need to do that. Well, yeah. and the reason is control at the end of the day. And so let's let's talk about where it's going on right now in sure. the world. Um, so today, specifically, it's hard to point to any countries that are purely socialist. Still, there are some that identify as majorly socialist. Um, they all, though, incorporate some form of capitalism or are communist. To so, stay afloat. Yeah, because they can't, it can't be in the middle ground. Right. There's, no, there's no perfect example. All right, I'm going to go through some countries here. So this is, uh, this is more on the communist side and versus the capitalist side. We, we may go into capitalism one day, but I, I want to really show... Uh, what socialism leads to and why this could be a problem for the United States if we continue down this road. So before its collapse in 91, the USSR was a socialist state, and then all production was controlled by the state. If you wanted milk in the morning, you got it from the government. The cow and the land were owned by the state. No, there's no farmers, no, no private-owned farming. Owning a cow for commercial purposes was treated as a crime. Hmm. Cuba is another prominent example of a socialist nation. You'll see the term socialist here, and then you can see, really, it's all communist. So, again, Cuba. Government controls the economy, all levels of education, national health, housing, subsidized food, utilities, and even entertainment. They do not have a stock exchange, which is a major indicator the country is not capitalist. 80% of the workforce in Cuba works in state-owned facility. 80%. Wow. And remember, I told you about those pictures on Google. I checked again today. It's still the same. I mean, ninety nine percent of the pictures there, it's like glory, glorious looking, right, yeah, colorful, definitely. and it's not, it's not real. North Korea, man, these all sound like great places. North Korea is another country that is majorly socialist. Its economy and several social programs are run by the state, just like Cuba. They do not have a stock exchange. So essentially, if you do have any money, there's no way for you to earn interest on it. Hmm. The government owns the bank; they own the stock. There is no stock exchange, so there's no nest egg for anybody. Okay, and then China. China cannot be termed purely socialist, though it has some aspects of socialism. While the country has abolished state-run health care, many regions of China are still socialist. Capitalism is only allowed in specific geographic zones known as, uh, known as special economic zones. Anyone who wants to own their own business in China has to move to one of those zones. Can't live just anywhere in the country. And then there's a couple of smaller ones, Turkmenistan, Laos, Zambia, Belarus, Venezuela, Vietnam, Syria. Those are all considered to be socialist since their government's strongly involved in different sectors. If you look at all of them today, really, the communist states are China, Cuba, Laos, and Vietnam. Those are the big main ones. Um, I want to talk about Venezuela, though, a little bit because we mentioned it sure. in the last one. And I just want to show some some numbers and some dates. So and. Venezuela was like one of the richest per capita countries in the world until 1999. Yeah, they had everything, and then their location of where they were. It was beautiful. They're in a prime spot mm -hmm. for uh, trade. the trade with the uh, ships and ports. and I mean, it was just, yeah. that was like the place to be, you know. And let me just throw this out there. This might be getting in front of, you know, yeah, sure. in front of the subject, but the reason that you see these wonderful places targeted like Cuba, like Venezuela, like is different areas and the reason America is being targeted, the United States is because of the value that's here. Yeah. And so it's really a means of exploitation. Yes, it is. To pad the pockets of a few. Yep. Capitalism doesn't do that. Capitalism opens up the market and you are not given these rights 
by God that ensure yeah. your ability to have uh, what is it the pursuit of of happiness uh, and greater freedoms yes, and- all those things. It, you're not given the the guarantee that you'll have those. You're given the opportunity to have those. Right. Yep. If you look at uh, even all the way back to, like we read the book, The Killing of Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. with Botswana and all those places in North Africa, it was the, the gold and oil. Yeah, the whole continent. Diamonds. Gold, gold diamonds, oil, oil. Ri- just rich in minerals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the UK exploited that. They went after that. They took over it. They they well, pitted two countries against each other to kill each other off, and then they came in and took control over conquer, both. Yeah. Which is what was done in the past 10 years with, uh, well, f- 15 years with uh, race relations yeah, in the United States. That's right. Trying to be st- stirring up so there could be a divide and conquer. Yeah. And in, in Africa, from Cairo to Cape Town, that's, that's how the uh, railway is there today. Yeah. Because of the exploitation of yeah. all of those nations. Yeah. It's really sad. So let's well let's go back to Venezuela. So Cesar Chavez or um, Cesar, I can't remember what his first name was. Anyway, Chavez, nineteen ninety nine. Think uh, it's Bernie. Maybe it's Bernie Chavez. Yeah. Well, Fidel Castro, that was his guy, and that's Cuba. Similar type of story, but so see, so Chavez, nineteen ninety nine. Basically, he's elected in. Um, the country's thriving, and. A lot of times when you see socialism coming to the country, it's like you said, it's targeted because they're already thriving mm-hmm. in all these areas. And so Chavez gets voted in in 1999. By 2001, the economy's tanked. So two years. I don't even know how far into 2001. I didn't get a specific date. but with Hugo. Hugo Chavez. Hugo. There we go. Okay, so one of Chavez's first actions when he was elected was to start nationalizing the agriculture sector. Which mm-hmm. is here in the socialism to communism microscope book. So what he did was reduce poverty, or he said he was going to reduce poverty and inequality by taking from rich landowners to give to poor workers. From ninety nine to two thousand sixteen, his regime robbed more than six million hectares of land from its rightful owners. And let me just say that taking from the poor and giving to the rich has only worked in one area, and that's the cartoon Robin Hood. Yeah, that was one of my favorites <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Yeah, that's the only place it's, it really works. So I don't know how big a hectare is. I'm assuming that's a thousand acres, but it might be more. So six million, whatever the hectare is, whatever the heck that is. I don't know. It's a ton, but he took it from people who are not people who are in debt, people who already owned this land. Six million of these, however big a hectare is of land. Okay, so here's what happened: nationalization destroyed production and affected industries because no government has capacity to run thousands of businesses or the profit motive to run them efficiently. Instead, government officials face incentives to please voters by selling products at low prices and hiring more employees than necessary. And that's what's wrong with their industry decision. As economic theory predicted, a state control of the agriculture industry increased. Venezuela's food production fell 75% in two decades, while the country's population increased 33%. That was a recipe for shortages and economic disaster. I mean, you're still seeing it today, four years later. After agriculture, the regime nationalized electricity, water, oil, banks, supermarket, construction, and other crucial sectors. And in all these sectors, the government increased payroll and gave away products at low cost, resulting in long, days-long countrywide blackouts, frequent water service interruptions, falling oil production, production, and a bankrupt government enterprise. Mm. So they went full-on communism because that's what happens. You get somebody in charge, 
And then what this guy did was he placed appointed people in their version of the Senate. And so he had the 60% vote with no, I mean, not even a bat of an eye. And so now they're trying to like roll back this, yeah, these votes just, and stuff. And it's so hard once you're on the backside, you're right. on the downhill slide of it. You can't, it's so hard to correct when you, when it's already in place versus correcting before it takes full effect. Well, and that's what one of my favorite ministers, he said, you can vote your way into socialism, communism, but you have to shoot your way out. Yeah, a revolution. And that's what's happening in Venezuela. There's, I mean, it is so sad what's going on there. I don't know if it's in this, this Socialism Under the Microscope book, but one of the forms of socialism is called revolutionary socialism. And it, mm. and it talks about sometimes to get to socialism, the only way is to start a revolution. And then they... And let me just throw this out there for any listeners that might be younger and you keep hearing us say socialism, socialism, socialism. This is Bernie Sanders. This is Joe Biden. All of them. Any place that you hear the re- these terms, redistribution of wealth, uh, tax the the wealthy people, the forgive higher, the debts, forgive the debts, um, uh, universal health care. All of these terms are buzzwords for socialism and communism that literally result in the destroying of a country and their economic, uh, their money their their uh, well-being of people, yeah. all of this stuff. We, we had friends of our family that grew up in, in Russia during their regime. Yeah, and it, healthcare is free, but if you break your arm, it takes you six months to get in to see a doctor. Yeah. And so you literally do not get taken care of when mm-hmm. you need it because the system is so terrible and the system's ran by the government. Well, there's no incentive to do anything quickly. You get paid the same amount of money whether you fix somebody's broken arm or you sit on your hands for six months. That's exactly. I mean, right. I work at the for the government, and I'm telling you, it's not. We're not. This isn't even socialism, but the the federal run or state, I'm sure, is the same. The people are so lazy and complacent, and mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's frustrating for me just where I'm at. And to, if you're in a communist socialist country, you wouldn't be allowed to say. What you're I wouldn't saying. be allowed to say a word about it. It's it's something else, man. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I, I just, uh, you know, I hope that this podcast can wake up the people around here, and eventually, there's voices like us that rise up all over the country. And well, it's like if you if you say anything about it, number one, you're racist. Number two, uh, you you probably wear a Confederate flag hat and drink Bud 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 Light or yeah. Budweiser yeah. and chew tobacco. And have a piece of wheat sticking out of your mouth. Yeah, um, that's actually not the case. And if you start looking at the facts and not just the narrative and what you're being told, you start looking at what's actually going on. Unemployment for different uh, people groups, races, whatever, yeah. um, has totally changed. Yes, uh, cut the, in half. The inner cities are being targeted because that's one of the worst places in our nation is inner cities, right. and it's not bad. Because the people there are bad people. Right. It's bad because it's run by the government, because it's targeted, yeah. and, and because usually you find a real communist socialist uh, stench in those, you know, and a flavor in those right. inner cities. Right. And uh, you, you have big business there. You have 
you know, it's like this is the area and, and it's shoved into this area yeah. uh, to control and everything. And so the facts are that everyone benefits from capitalism. Yeah. Everyone is impacted positively uh, through capitalism. And like you said, if there's a business, if you have two gas stations and one's a joke, one doesn't provide as good of business, They're one doesn't... Out have yeah. uh, competitive prices, their stores dirty, their bathrooms are filthy, it's over for them. Yeah. But in communism, everyone turns out to be like they're that. They're getting all the same money. Yeah. You know, and our, my opinion here on the matter is I've been on both sides of the... I've, I've had public uh, or federal assistance. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not speaking from somebody who hasn't been in that system and received help. I'm all for the help. You know, it helped, like I said, it helped me when we were down, we were on, you know, uh, TANF for Mm -hmm. six, seven months. And, you know, I was working and whatnot, but we we had small children and we got let go from a job, something else fell through and we needed help. And at the time it was great, but that's what it's supposed to be as a stepping stone, not a, not a reliance lifestyle. And it traps people. And that's, if you look at government assistance and the welfare and TANF and these programs, just look at the output of people who stay in that system for years. There's no growth there. People get stuck so easy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying those people have the wrong motivation. I think the circumstance just traps them in and they can't see a way out. And No, it's built to do that. And then the more... Uh, children that you have outside of wedlock, yeah, the um, bigger your check, the more money yeah, you get. To not, you know, I mean, and so it just perpetuates uh, wrong, really, ultimately unbiblical, yeah. ungodly lifestyle. Yes, uh, and I'm not even just talking about having children out of wedlock, but you, then you usually don't have a father in the home, which is a whole other conversation yeah. that the statistics support and are behind. Yeah, uh, never turns out well. Or very rarely turns out well. Um, and so I'm not, you know, working to try to make enemies here or anything like that. However, uh, the truth is the truth, and and the results of what this produces is just detrimental yeah. in, in actual fact when you when you look at it from an objective standpoint. So um yeah, it I mean this this socialism thing and the other thing I wanted to to move into as well is what everyone's talking about right now, the coronavirus. Yeah. The coronavirus, the coronavirus. Yeah, everywhere. That's all you hear. Every news station, every podcast, mm. all the YouTube news radio. No, I was just recently in one of the busiest airports in the United States, and um, there were people walking around with masks over their face. Oh, boy. You know? and, and I was eating, using my bare hands, waiting to get on the plane, and people were looking at me like, you're going to die. You are definitely going to die. First of all, I was eating Chick-fil-A. <laughs> well, those so are, yeah. I'm not going to die if I'm eating Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> those but, calories don't even count. <laughs> but um, you, have, you have this coronavirus that has just swept, and, and it really works so much off fear. It's not even, you know, not even funny. Um, but I, I want to share with, with the listeners some of the things that we've kind of discovered. And so... Uh, I want to just read this. There is a book, um, I believe it was from the 1980s, called uh, The Eyes of Darkness by Dean Kuntz, I think is how you say it, K-N-O-O, 
uh, K-O-O-N-T-Z. And um, so he got in here and uh, wrote this book, and it's titled as Fiction, okay? And so it says um, that it was a, that there would be a Chinese scientist named Li Chen uh, that def, uh, defected to the United States uh, carrying a record of China's most important and dangerous new biological weapon in, the, in a decade. They call the stuff Wuhan 400 because it was developed at their RDNA labs outside of the city of Wuhan, and it was the 400th viable strain of a man-made microorganisms created at that research center. The Wuhan 400 is a perfect we weapon. It afflicts only human beings. No other living creature can carry it. And like syphilis, Wuhan 400 can't survive outside of a living human body for longer than a minute, which means it can't perpetuate or permanently contaminate objects or entire places the way that anthrax or other uh, of these microorganisms can. And when the host of, uh, expires, the Wuhan 400 within him perishes a short while later, as soon as the temperature of the corpse drops below 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So you see the advantage of all of this. Okay, now this is this is of the book. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. <laughs> so we get in here and we read, you know, and you see that this was written about decades ago. And uh, I did, we did a little research on Wuhan, which is one of the largest cities in China, and it's in central China, and it is considered a hub for politics, economics, finances, uh, commerce, uh, culture, and education in central China. And this is where uh, one of the, the first or, or biggest outbreaks yeah. of this uh, yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, the province, uh, the Kubai or whatever that name was, that province is right there in Wuhan. Yeah. And so this is where the virus broke out originally. And um, then, you know, they didn't allow people to go in and out and travel and all of that stuff. But you look at it and you see China is a communist nation. Right. And in Hong Kong, they were having riots protesting against the Chinese government. Then, boom, all of this coronavirus stuff starts breaking out. Have you heard much about the riots, the riots lately? Right. Everybody's quarantined and mm -hmm. martial law, essentially. And so two things. Number one, obviously, this thing is not just like some accidental thing. And when you have a patent on a, on a virus strand, there's something going on. Yeah, it's a little fishy. Uh, secondly, this is the results of communism, ladies and gentlemen. Right. This, this is what you get when you have a uh, total control and, and manipulation and oppression of communism is you start having things like this and, um, you know, all of the fear and everything. And there's, there's still stuff about this that, that we don't have all the information. Yeah. There, there's more to the story than what's going on right here. And yes, it is a serious thing. And we talked about last week or, or last episode, the the word of the Lord uh, from Prophet Hank Kuhneman is that we 
We don't need to fear the coronavirus as believers that the Lord is going to crush this thing and it's not going to take off in America and the mercy of God is going to stand in the way of of this coronavirus. But uh, it's just rather interesting um, that that all of this is breaking out and and how people are responding to it and the stir that it's creating and and I know people that they're like yep Jesus is coming back Jesus is coming back the coronavirus is is a sign of it and I I I don't know that I can I can agree with that right. um, but I'm gonna just tell you that it is an attempt of the enemy to number one bring fear. And, and terror on people. Yeah. And, you know, if we're walking with the Lord and, and our, our hearts and our, our minds are in the right place with Him, this thing is not going to be allowed to come near us. Yeah. I was thinking of the story of John G. Lake when there was this big epidemic in Africa. I forget the name of the disease, uh, but they, they took a, a portion of this lie, put his hand under a microscope. He told them to do this. And... They put the disease on his hand that was highly contagious, and and it died mm-hmm. in his hand. Yeah, and they they did the study and they said, how did this happen? And he said, basically, the the power, the resurrection power yeah. over death that lives on the inside of me took this thing out. Yeah, and so you know we don't have a similar power; we have the same power. Yes. And so the fear and all of this stuff and, and people freaking out, not to mention the, the normal flu has already killed, killed more, more people, people right. and had a greater impact and effect. And so um, we're not saying if your relative gets coronavirus, like take it lightly. That's we're just saying as a general oversight look here that there's something else going on behind the scenes. And yeah, it's still like getting the flu, you know, if. If your family member gets the flu and they're elderly or a young child, you, you, that may, would make you nervous. But that's not what the word of the Lord is over our country as a whole. And the word of the Lord right. is that He's gonna take care of this through His mercy. And and it's it's whatever its manufactured intent is would not prevail in the United States. No, and, absolutely. In the world. And and our our president has addressed this and and are working on things and and Israel and the United States are going to work together and there, there's going to be a cure for all of this but um, you know I, I'm I'm referring to the fear of people that say yes. oh I, I can't you know I can't do this I can't live my life normal yeah. because of the coronavirus yeah I'm you not know? gonna no travel Come shut on, the schools man. down the kind of a Come on yeah not something that we need to sit around and be you know totally just restricted and, and paralyzed because of these things. We, we have power over it. And, uh, you know, if you don't take communion every day, that might be something that you, you should consider doing, you know, and, and, and it's a reminder, but it's a secret uh, of walking with the Lord that many people don't really tap into taking that communion and honoring what Jesus did and yeah. the healing properties in you know, doing that and and putting your health and your physical body under the blood of Jesus and under His covering uh, has a major impact on your life. So, yeah. Um, well, what it's what it's doing in the U.S. and really the you know the global market is we we talked about this little last episode, but I just wanted to get into it today because uh, today is Monday, uh, March. What is the date? Do you remember the eighth? 
uh, 9th. 9th. So today's Monday the 9th of March if you're listening in later. But we had a big uh, cut today. So the Dow sank like 2,000 points. It's been the worst day since 2008. And the S&P dropped like 7%. And so what does that look like? Are we going to get federal rate reduction, a cut from the Fed? Mm-hmm. Well, they announced a federal emergency cut last week to combat basically this economic impact from uh, the coronavirus. It's the first move since financial crisis. President Trump on Friday signed a sweeping spending bill of $8.3 billion to aid the medical research. And so, you know, if you look at China, where it came from, they, they do have brilliant scientists there. Oh, yeah. Um, but they're just not as utilized and as efficient and as incentivized as the U.S. and, the, and Israel. And a lot of the big treatments for diseases coming out of Israel. And, I mean, it's God's chosen people, for one. And then on top of that, it's... They're in covenant, they're, man. They're in covenant. It'll be a and blessing to, to that's right. people that, you know, I mean, literally everyone. But. And then they're not, their scientists are not owned by the, by the state. And so they have general welfare as their number one priority, not making the government money. Mm -hmm. And so I am willing to bet that you're going to see the whatever the answer is come out of Israel or the United States or a collaboration between the two. And that's what this $8.3 billion package of aid is for, is research into the corona, which stems from SARS. and that SARS started in a communist country as well. Mm. And MERS, which was the SARS 2.0. That came out of Middle East. So all these nasty pandemic viruses are coming out of countries that are owned by the government. And now, let me ask you, um, because it, it just I was just reminded about it. You look and you see the stories of 2000. You know, or yeah. 1998, this, 2000 right. Y2K, this, that, Zika virus, Ebola, uh, you know, yeah. swine flu, yeah, mad so cow, bird flu, bird flu yeah. you know, this flu, Biden flu, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. We were actually in Miami uh, when they were talking about the Zika virus yeah. and it was traveling through uh, mosquitoes and, and, and all of that stuff. I don't think I have it. Uh, it's been a few years. Yeah, I don't you're probably think I, okay. <laughs> I don't think I have Zika, but I was in Miami during that time. Yeah, I was too, um, actually. <laughs> so, what do you what do you think about? It's like every election year. Yeah, it really seems tied to. You don't really hear the off years of other anything other than influenza, mm-hmm. which is every winter basically. And so, you know, as we kind of dig into the the world banking and financial system and the, the families associated with that, I, I really think you'll start to see a trend of control. And, you know, I'm not saying there's not natural diseases. You know, the, the first episode in the garden with sin caused the downfall of man. So right. there's, there is sickness in the world because of that. But at the same time, there's also people alive now who are manipulating things and and creating viruses that already have an antidote, and then they won't pass the antidote out. I mean, you got to believe that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, financial system that's back in, or farm pharmaceutical, is is a mess. So let me ask a question. Maybe that would be asked by some younger people listening. Um, are you saying that these these viruses have an effect on our money? Yeah, hundred um, percent. 
they turned the market down. And I mean, I was even going to talk about Oklahoma. That's a prime example. So what happens is as these things grow and spread and people get scared, they start shutting down logistics and shutting down transportation and school systems and uh, railways and, mm-hmm. and boating, leaving China, coming to the U.S. and other countries and uh, air tra- All of these methods of taking product from one country to another get shut down. And then, I mean, the U.S. is ran on exports. We don't, we're not a self-sustained country any longer. We have migrated all of our business overseas. And so we can't sell stuff. (laughs) We can't give, we can't get stuff into the buyer's hand and we can't receive, we can't import anything either right now. And so that starts to, and that's what the stock market stir is all about is oil and gas is dropping. Uh, All these companies that run energy and electric i mean it's all tied together yeah and and then on top of that i i don't want to get off topic but at the same time opec is which is what the oil it's a oil oil something conglomerate it's it's governance over the oil and gas industry they're having this issue in saudi arabia and all these oil producing countries in the middle east and they're slashing uh oil rates for these barrel prices and it's it's great for the gas pump, but it's terrible for the economy. And, right. uh, and I mean, last time something like this happened in Oklahoma, they laid off. I, I have the number. Um, let me see here. No, it has a profound effect. And, and Oklahoma and Texas, man, yeah. that is oil, oil Yeah, it's country. oil capital of the U.S. Well, so for us, Oklahoma, last time the industry saw something like this, 1,000 employees. <clears throat> That's a very large – in Oklahoma City. Thousand people laid off, and so which I think Oklahoma City's population is around a million. Yeah, so so that's a you know significant number yeah. considering that. So the the price for crude oil dropped twenty four percent today, uh, and that was the worst one day crash in oil prices since ninety one. Hmm. So we don't just have a stock crash, right? We have oil, and it, the the two factors are the coronavirus with transportation, and then this other deal going on with the oil people in the world, the big players are fighting and intentionally slashing rates. Um, so that's not, it's not just bad for the oil industry, but for us, the state of Oklahoma. Um, so this is horrible news. Uh, the OPEC, a group, okay. So OPEC is a group of countries that export petroleum. They failed to reach a deal while Saudi Arabia decided to cut prices and ignite a price war with Russia. That's what caused this mm. oil crash. So after the drop, oil is trading at $32 a barrel. Experts told uh, news here in, in Oklahoma that oil companies in Oklahoma need the cost per barrel to be around $40 to break even, and they're at $32. Mm. And then they really need $50 to make profits. It's not just the price war tanking oil prices, but also the coronavirus, like we talked about, it's playing a factor. I think there's a 50-50 chance at least that there'll be a recession in the next year driven by the coronavirus and their response. This is a guy uh, named Josh Bivens with the Economic Policy Institute. I don't think that's going to happen. That's what this guy's saying, but here's some other quotes on, on the matter. People are going to be driving around less, fewer planes in the air. All that means lower demand for oil and prices tumbling down. Oklahoma has seen this a bunch of times. The state rides on oil and gas. As oil goes, so goes the Oklahoma economy. Now, I don't want to live by that personally, living here in Oklahoma. Um, But if if you do live here and you're listening to this podcast, if you don't know, our taxes are fed by 
oil and gas. Yeah. Like our, our state lives on whatever that, however that wave is going at the time. Well, I mean, if you think about it, our Chesapeake Arena downtown, everything, Chesapeake yeah. oil and natural Devin, gas, Devon, all the midstream partners, every, yeah, uh, Do- yeah. Duncan, Oklahoma. It's the mm-hmm. whole, the whole town is oil. I mean, right. that's basically, so, um, the, the, basically the state budget is dependent on taxes from oil and the salaries of all the oil industry employees. So it's not just the oil tax. It's also the, the folks that work in the oil industry pay taxes in a, you know, when they get paid their paycheck. And so, and then the company pays a corporate tax. So that Oklahoma is missing out basically on three pots of money as the oil industry tanks. So this Corona deal is, it's a huge indicator of something attempting to crash our economy Mm. to me Uh, whether it's it's natural or man-made i'm i don't know i don't want to create speculation i'm just it's hard to say it's hard to say it just really looks it looks intentional i mean the timing of when this has all come out and the magnitude at which this thing spreads it's something like two and a half to one was what I was reading from one of the CDC articles. So that, that would mean that like every person gets infected typically infects two and a half other people, which mm-hmm. would mean everybody gets infected. Yeah. And so if just, you know, reading that, the fictional fictional with quotes right. around it book you read earlier and looking at the last few times that and pandemics and epidemics have been caused, it's always around a U.S. election. Why is that? Right. What is going on with that? Yeah, and it's the bigger the bigger subject, which is really money and control. Um, to go in and you know follow the money. That that's the phrase out of the killing of Uncle Sam. Right. That, that's so prevalent. Um, you know, and then to come in and discredit you know President Trump's success over the last four years. Yeah. To try to make people question and say, well, maybe he, it was just a fluke. Maybe you know da 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 this and that right. it didn't really work. Um, which, I mean, you know, if people go that route and they, you know, believe the news media and New York Times, Washington Post, all of this stuff, right. then that's the direction. That's what you're going to think and believe, you know, all yeah. this, you know, whatever. So I think it's important that we look through, uh, pardon my French, the bull crap yeah. and, uh, you know, get on with looking at the facts yeah. and saying, okay. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at is I'm not trying to promote or stimulate conspiracy theory. All I'm saying is look at all the evidence. Look at everything that's going on with the time of year, with what year we're at in the election cycle, Mm -hmm. all these factors. uh, Look at what factors contribute to uh, the same party and person being Mm reelected. One of the biggest one, if not number one, is economic health. Yeah. That Absolutely. is the most single most important piece to a president being reelected, and you know it's just- and which there's been great success. I mean, record breaking success. And so this is really like like we're saying. We keep coming back around to it. This is an effort to discredit and yeah. disqualify, and hopefully get Biden in there uh, to try to de defuse the bomb that was going off and draining the swamp. Right. Um, but none of this stuff is going to work. I'm just going to tell you right now, people are seeing through the bull crap yes. uh, that the news media is pushing through and pushing out and everything. I, I, 
I don't understand uh, the the thinking behind wanting to vote in the socialism and communism. I mean, I guess I do understand it, um, but to I mean, it's so it's like out of touch with reality. Yeah, you know, and we have we're talking about the coronavirus because of communism. Yeah, it's the re- the whole reason it's a conversation. Right, is communism. We could call it the communism virus. No, really. I mean, it's it's dirty. It's unsanitary. There's just the entire atmosphere in those countries. It takes a beautiful place that is thriving and turns it into a third world mm-hmm. type of... As our president referred to. Yeah. As a certain kind of... <laughs> That's a box. Crater. Some type of box. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, we will continue to, to gather information and, and this and that. As far as personally being afraid and everything, you know, I, he- I heard the joke, uh, you know, looking through what people are saying about the coronavirus and some are saying, you know, I didn't know that not washing your hands was like a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> trying to tell people. But this is kind of how stupid it is. And then yeah. that video clip of, I don't even know who it was, <laughs> but she's reading and she She's goes, from the CDC, I think. Oh my goodness. She goes, try to avoid touching your face or mouth or yeah. eyes, anywhere like that. And then she licks her fingers so that she'll be able to grab the next page yeah. and turn what she's reading. Epic. Oh my goodness. How stupid Absolutely do people epic. have to get to believe some of this stuff? Um, okay. So kind of coming to a close here, um, there's a video, a little short clip of an interview from a man named Cal Thomas uh, on Mike Huckabee's uh, show. And so I want to play this because it's just so good. Um, and talking about prayer and the importance of prayer in our nation and focusing on, on, on the important things. And so I want to talk about this. We'll make a few comments and then we'll, then we'll get out of here. America's expiration yeah. date. That's frightening to me, Cal. It sounds like we're on our way out. Well, as you uh, discussed with Ollie North, there is a pattern to history, Mike. And uh, it's not just a cliche that the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from it. I've looked at eight empires here. The book is uh, based on an essay by the late British diplomat Sir John Glove, who studied 3,000 years of human history and found that there's a pattern to the decline of nations. Number one... Massive national debt, we're $23 trillion Mm. in debt and counting. Military overreach, the president, to his credit, is trying to pull back on some of that and asking other nations to pony up some money for their own defense. Uh, A loss of a sense of God, a collective moral sense. Pew Research, as you know, uh, surveyed millennials found 20% of them said they have no religious preference at Mm. all. So uh, I look at all of these, Persia and Spanish Empire, Russia before the uh, Bolshevik Revolution, uh, and and Rome, of course, and you find on the same pattern. And then the last chapter on the United States suggests that we are on the same road and there's really nothing, no guarantee to, that we're going to preserve and persevere as a nation if we follow the same patterns of these other empires. I mean, it sounds pretty, uh, pretty dire. Is there, a, is there a pathway out of this? Yeah. I mean, can we be the exception? Yeah, we can. Well, it's not going to be a Broadway musical. It's a serious book. Uh, and, but it is, it, you know, the Old Testament prophets were kind of dark about their prophecies for nations and individuals who forget God. Now, Lincoln said uh, that the major cause of the Civil War is that we forgot God. Mm. Solzhenitsyn said the only reason that Soviet communism prevailed for seven decades is that we forgot God. 
Moses warned against it. Jesus warned against it. The scriptures are full of warnings of what happens to individuals and nations who forget God. Now, my view is that we need to care for the next generation and the one to follow. And the way we do that, in my opinion, is to stop putting them in these re-education camps. Mm. The public schools, not all of them, but many of them, that teach we evolved from slime and our nearest relative is down at the zoo. That's why we like bananas on our cereal. Uh, you know, uh, we need to stop sending them to these universities where, where professors are trained to, uh, to undermine their faith, undermine the values of their parents, and they're actually getting paid to do this. You know, Barbara Bush said something very profound. I quote her in the book. I've quoted her many times with full credit. Uh, our success as a nation, your success as a family, depends less on what happens in the White House and more on what happens in your house. That's a very, very good reminder. Because I think sometimes we think, oh, if we just elect this guy to be yeah. president or this guy becomes the senator or congressman right. or governor, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And it's not so much yeah. that we can elect our way no. into a revival. Yeah. Well, leadership is important, and, uh, but so is followership and who we follow. If we're following the golden calf of the Dow Jones Industrials, which aren't doing too well recently, mm. uh, we're going to be disappointed. We are focused on pleasure, on things. You know, you mentioned revival. I, I talk about often the great 1857 revival, which preceded the Civil War, where two men got together on their lunch hour in New York City once a week to pray for revival in America. And then some other men began to join them, and they were in the Dutch consistory building, you know, the building that survived 9-11 and the attack. Mm. Uh, and pretty soon the crowd was so big they couldn't fit in the room anymore, so they moved to the churches at night and invited their spouses. And it wasn't long before the revival began, and at the height of it, 10,000 people a week were being converted to Christ in New York City alone. And when the revival got down to West Virginia in the middle of winter, uh, they cut holes in the ice to baptize people, prompting one commentator to say, when Baptists do that, you know they're on fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, th that would be a little extreme. I think I would just uh, make my conversion sometime in July. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, Mike. You know, when you, when you seek to honor God and you're not looking to pursue your own success and pleasure, uh, he does marvelous things. Uh, that revival when it, it jumped the Atlantic, it, crime virtually disappeared in London. Hmm. Uh, drunk public drunkenness almost disappeared. People ask, well, what did the police do? We said, well, there, there's hardly any crime anymore, so they form quartets to sing at the revival meetings. When the re <laughs> when, uh, seriously, when that the really happened. Yeah, it did. J. Edward Orr writes about this in his wonderful book on the history of revivals in America. And here's the best line of the whole thing, I think. When the revival hit Wales, there was a work slowdown in the coal mines. And somebody said, well, how could there be a work slowdown? <laughs> out of the middle of a revival. And the answer was, so many miners were converted, they stopped using bad languages, and the horses couldn't understand what was being said to them. <laughs> but see, that's the power. That's where the real power comes from. You know that wonderful line from Chariots of Fire where Eric Little asks, where does the power come from? It comes from within. Hmm. Not within yourself, but by the presence of God. And, and the founders understood this, as, as you know. And, and uh, this is why our Declaration of Independence is the philosophical foundation of the Constitution. We're created, we didn't evolve. Equal, endowed, not by government, but by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And then in the next clause, Mr. Jefferson outlines the purpose of government. And to secure these rights, he wrote, governments are instituted among men. Well, why is that necessary? Because as James Madison said, if men were angels, we wouldn't need government. Hmm. People are sinners. 
and we have to be constrained from within by the presence and power of God or restrained by the state acting under God, a very important distinction, because without that you have a dictatorship. And, and so that was the whole purpose and premise of government. But as we move away from that, we put ourselves in great jeopardy along with these other empires I write about. If there is anyone watching what you've just said and they don't want to get this book, uh, they turned to the wrong channel. I mean, they, they, they must be here by accident because, I mean, it's an intriguing reminder that what has held our country together has been a common thread of faith yes. and that without it, we begin to unravel. Well, so many wrote about this and spoke about it. George Washington, Madison, all of these people. Uh, unless you have a transcendent purpose, not only for your life, beyond getting up in the morning, going to work, making money, paying bills, buying stuff, and renting uh, a storage unit for the overflow. Uh, <laughs> if you don't have a transcendent purpose, what's the point? As uh, Peggy Lee sang years ago, I'm dating myself, I know, which in high school was the only option I had. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, is that all there is to life? If that's all there is, let's break out the booze and have a ball. Huh. We've got to have a transcendent purpose, and I feel we're losing that as a nation. When you talk about America's expiration date, and I ask you, do you think mm -hmm. we're just destined to be there? You say no, but it doesn't sound like that... Uh, we're on the right path. How do we change it? How does our audience become part of changing this? Well, you know what people say when they're confronted by uh, seemingly impossible circumstances? All I can do is pray. Hmm. Now, why do you leave prayer as a last <laughs> resort yeah. instead of a first resource? You know? yeah. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 8, that God has built futility into his creation in hope that the creation will turn to him. Now, you and I are of a certain age, and we've seen everything. Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. If politics could fix things, if spending more money could fix things, things would be fixed by now yeah. because we've tried everything. And I think, uh, you know, God sits in the heavens and laughs, the psalmist writes, at our, at our puny efforts to reform and redeem ourselves. And so I think... You know, like the revivals, two or three people getting together to pray, not just so the stock market will go up, because God responds when you honor him. I have engraved on the back of my watch my favorite verse, 1 Samuel 2.30, he who honors me, I will honor. I believe that with all my heart. Mm. I definitely appreciate what he said, that you can't vote your way into a revival. Yeah. I do believe that God anoints and uses people, um, but I believe he calls his people and uh, his church to rise up in prayer and standing up for um, what is right, standing against what is wrong, um, not people, but the principalities and powers that we actually war against. So I just wanted to share that uh, with, our, with our listeners. And just to close out today, I, I just think that... Um, I just want to call us to prayer, you know, yeah. and, and we have a prayer meeting at our church every every Friday night for an hour, you know, and and it's not a convenience thing. It's not uh, come in and get your needs met. The real focus is our nation right. and, and our our state and then our city and our leaders here in our city. But um, there's just a call to prayer and to continue to push and to pray. 
you have to do two things if you're going to make an impact in, in America on a governmental level. You have to pray and then you have to vote. Right. And we're not exempt from doing either. Yes. Uh, and w- believers do have a place in government and the church has a place in the state and the state does not have a place in the church, which would be uh, what the founders of our nation stood for. It's a one way wall. Right. Um, so I don't know if you have any other comments you want to throw in there on that before we before no, we end no. off here. But uh, I just want to. I just want to call people to prayer, you know, to even take a minute after after we, you know, say goodbye on this podcast and lift up your nation, you know, that uh, the Lord would move here and that we'd see a third great awakening. Don't let fear overcome you. Don't let uh, terror overcome you, but know that you're walking in, you know, the covering and the protecting uh, wing of the Lord out of Psalm 91. Uh, you don't have to fear the coronavirus uh, or, or anything like that. Um, and we need to know that God's on America's side and he's, he has a wonderful plan for America. He's not done with it. And, uh, we're going to see another awakening. We're going to see, uh, another move of the spirit of God in this land. And there's going to be another great harvest of souls. And so I just want to call people to prayer and, and just press in about our nation and believe God to do great and mighty things. And, uh, just take a minute, you know. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, just take a minute and lift up your nation in prayer. And uh, so thank you for listening today. And um, if you can go on uh, iTunes uh, with with Apple there and you can leave a review uh, of what, what you think about the podcast, that would definitely help us and we definitely appreciate that. Uh, if you can share it on your social media, um, some of the conversations that we'll have on here are not so comfortable to have in person, but maybe if someone can listen to this, Uh, it can maybe help them have a different perspective and think differently about some things. So anyways, thanks for listening. And uh, we hope that you guys have a good one and that you've enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back with another one soon.